0: In the morning, in the evening, and even at supper time, it's c For Yourself, the only podcast where our teleportion devices double as bisecting tools. I am your host, a combination of a deformed Frenchman, the king of games, and a bizarrely sexy hippopotamus. You can call me Quasi-Yugi molto I'm joined today by...
1: That was really high effort. I'm just the best we could find on short notice.
0: Aren't you always? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh! I know, I know what you are, but I wanted your name, sir. <laughs> oh, yes, of course. <laughs> Classic. I am impossibly enthused for today's episode. It recently entered the public domain. Do you know what that means?
1: That means that we can make our own version right now?
0: We can make our own version uninhibited by the law. We can do whatever we want. We can just say, hey, we're making this all over again. We're just going nuts. It's crazy. Fantastic. Do you know how it entered the public domain? Somebody who made it died 50 years ago. Also probably very true, but it's just old as sin, basically. Yeah, uh, yeah. What you said is probably not inaccurate, but uh, it's it's very old. Uh, this movie was made in 1927. Cool. And it is titled Metropolis. You ever heard of Metropolis? I know what the word means, yeah. Probably best known as the city where Superman goes to peddle newspapers. Of course,
1: where Lois Lane is constantly trying to kill herself to prove that he is, in fact, Superman.
0: Really fucked up storyline by today's standards. Yeah. A product of its time, a product of its time. She, on her way down, she's just shouting the N-word with a hard <laughs> R. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what that's what Superman hears, and he's like, Oh, a, 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 a God-fearing citizen is falling to their death. I'll save them. <laughs>
1: Honestly, the, the cut storyline is that she was throwing them from the window, and he was like, Wow, they don't matter enough for me to blow my cover. So
0: <laughs> keep throwing Lois. I, I gotta stop throwing all of these black people whom I hate because I'm Lois in the 1940s. <laughs> <laughs> oh no. <laughs> I guess I'll have to throw me, a white woman who has value to Superman. He's like, Oh, <gasps>
1: fuck,
0: Oh, no, we're cutting all of that. Fuck that. The description of Metropolis, made in 1927, I want to say was directed by Fritz Lang, which means nothing today. Literally nothing. Nothing? Yeah, nobody knows who Fritz Lang is. Tell me everything you know about Fritz Lang. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. With a name like Fritz, he's certainly German. But uh, the description is as follows. Are you ready for this? Go for it. A young man living in a futuristic utopia is shocked to discover that the city he lives in is built over a bleak slum where people are suffering. Oh, come on. And that's the plot. That's that's the plot.
1: Ugh, they're vampires. <laughs>
0: <laughs> is season two just the season of vampires? <laughs> love it. We did one episode on vampires and we can't get away from them. We, we love them. They love us. Everybody loves everybody.
1: But yes, um, that, that is how the upper crust of society has villainized the slums. They're like, you don't go down to the slums. That's where the vampires live. And then at some point, this this kid's going to go down and he's be like, well, I ain't scared of no vampires. That's just a spooky story that you tell children before they go to bed. And then some really pale, gaunt individual is going to come and he's like vampires No, like actually we don't like it when you call us that that's kind of fucked up and then it will just fall into the, your typical class struggle which is why I sighed as soon as you told me what the plot was.
0: I'm, I'm so sorry I really did bring this movie to you because I thought you would genuinely enjoy the class struggle story. We've talked about this a handful of times in the past on the podcast and I really felt like you were like oh the proletariat versus the bourgeoisie this is everything I've ever wanted let's go No
1: it, it is. I'm not saying that I'm not going to enjoy the movie I just this being the season of vampires and all I really like it when I can hit you with like the really wild and outlandish. And this just feels like a really by the book, like, guess on what's gonna happen based on the plot.
0: Okay, okay. But hold on. It was made in 1927. So let's try to give some respect to the fact that, you know, if you're saying that this is uh, gonna be like everything we've already seen, there's a lot of stuff that, like, was innovated after this movie came out that will not be included in it. So maybe it might be worth focusing some of our predictions on what sort of things have we come to expect out of a film that this film will just not have in it at all because they haven't been invented yet.
1: I suppose I could also be considering, um, like what classist struggle looks like. From the 1920s, I don't know a damn thing about the 1920s. What where are we at politically as America?
0: Uh, I believe World War One is over.
1: Well, we have not. Oh, that's right. World War Two was in the 40s, right?
0: Yeah. So I think at 1927, we're almost in the 30s. World War One is done,
1: and we are we are reaping the the financial benefits of having done what we did in the war. Uh,
0: very very likely to be the case. Yeah. Also, I will remind you the director's name is Fritz Lang. Right, so the
1: ge- the German-Asian-American, go on.
0: Yeah, he's he's certainly a German man and uh, might not be telling an American story at all. I don't know if this movie was made in Hollywood. I, I, I very much doubt that it was.
1: Is Fritz Lang a Nazi? Is this just all about how the lower-class citizens in the movie are just poor old Germany getting beat up on by the rest of the world again?
0: Let me ask you a question. Did Nazis exist in 1927?
1: Yeah, that's right. I answered my own question. Yeah, Nazis were uh, nationalists from the Second World War. You caught me.
0: For the record, I also have not seen this movie, and I have some interesting predictions of it. I've seen the first, like, five minutes of it due to, like, people discussing that, like, oh, if you if you know the the plot synopsis of it, you don't know the movie itself. When I was doing research for The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, I sort of stumbled into the first few minutes of Metropolis, and obviously it's made before Color Film came out. Color Film was uh, more in the 1940s time frame. It's in black and white, and I think the movie really takes of of that in a weird way that we don't see in a lot of movies. This is just from my, like, five minutes of having seen it. They call it a bleak slum, but they really take advantage of that black and white to, like, show that. And that's about as far as my spoilers go. Other than that, I have no clue about this movie. What sort of things, like, what is futuristic in a 1927 film? What kind of, like, things are they going to say, like, in the future, we'll have this?
1: I want to try to pinpoint what year they're going to think we have all this shit by. Yes. We've recreated the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, and we of flying cars and, and there's just a, an escalator that brings you right to the International Space Station and we'll have this all by the 1980s.
0: Oh, God. By the year 2000, we'll just have cured cancer and everybody gets a living wage just for being alive and racism is a thing of the past and we all sort of look back on it and we're like, oh, can you believe? Geez, I, I love you, brother. And everyone's like, I love you, brother. And I love you, sister. And I love everybody. Everyone's my brother and my sister. All of them. Well, you. it's just
1: Fucking depressing, because really I think we could have gotten some of these things by now. But then you end up watching old Star Trek and Picard's like, yes, we set, we set forth from Earth in the year 2012. And it's like, oh, Picard, I'm so sorry we did this to you.
0: In 2012, we were struggling to get to the moon. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, Picard. <laughs> your, your hopes were so high for us. <laughs> Do you think there'll be any noticeable actors? We've talked about this with older films. Will there be any actors that you're like, oh my God, I've seen him in like a GIF or in like a uh, a short video I watched one time in an episode of SpongeBob, you know?
1: Right. Uh, I don't know. Oh, shit. I barely know actors today. I definitely don't know older actors. So I'm going to say Vincent Price, probably. Most definitely. 1927? Well, yeah. He was hitting his stride in his 40s. I don't know anything about Vincent Price, man. <laughs>
0: Vincent Price was our boy last season. He's
1: still our boy, I just don't know- I didn't- I haven't read his biography.
0: Well, hold on, let me get his birth date. It's 1911, so he'd be 16 acting in this movie. (laughs) So do we have a young
1: cameo of Vincent Price?
0: Uh, I'm actually looking at images of Vincent Price right now, and he was gorgeous when he was young. Like, certainly he aged like wine, but gorgeous as a young man. Oh, God, we love you, Vincent Price. We really do. All the support for our, you know, for -for see-for-yourselves golden son, Vincent Price.
1: Of course. I don't know why people don't put him in more stuff nowadays.
0: Ignorance, that's why. That's why. Every director living today that has not cast Vincent Price, an idiot. (laughs) Confirmed. (laughs) You've heard it here first (laughs) folks
1: the the one uncancelled star of hollywood right now
0: Mm -hmm. i i i hate doing this you know i hate doing this but we're doing a very poor job giving our predictions for this film so i'll just go ahead and i'm gonna give it away i'm gonna give it right now in the future We've decided that the aspect of romance is just outdated. It's barbaric. It's gross. That's part of the like utopia of the larger city. We're getting rid of romance as a thing. And we're replacing our women with, uh, I don't know, robots or something, or like some sort of like uh, a clinic that you go to deposit your genetic material, both as men and women. And once you deposit it, they give you like a perfect baby,
1: but you don't, you don't choose to have the baby. You are just, you are drawn a la lottery style where it's like, Hey, we've determined that, uh, You are the perfect female recipient for this male deposit, and you will be furthering our civilization. Congratulations. Here's a baby.
0: Yeah, they pick that by deciding who has the perfect genes to match up with the other perfect genes to, like, get rid of, like, heart disease and get rid of, like, uh, other defects. As long as your genes match up perfectly, you get to have a kid with, you know, this person or whatever.
1: Right, and they've, they've also done away with overpopulation, you know. They they tell you when to have a baby. It's not up to you to do it. Uh, except in the Undercroft, where they are just, like, little rat people.
0: I think that, uh, the, like, bleak slums of the underground or whatever it's called. The underworld. Let's call it the underworld. I like that. The bleak slums of the underworld Are actually not bleak slums at all But rather just people living In the standards of 1927 Where like romance is still alive And you're expected to like find somebody That you connect with emotionally But in the utopia that's been eliminated Because this is the best way to do it And so he's like shocked at their culture But like to viewers in 1927 they're like no that's how it's supposed to be you're living the wrong way
1: we can almost guarantee that in the 1920s everybody in the upper crust of society is going to be like a nice wholesome white dick van dyke style family
0: yeah i'm pretty sure that is an accurate guess <laughs> unfortunately.
1: And then in the Undercroft, they've got, um, oh shit, what was the word?
0: Rat people? Was that what you are looking for?
1: Yeah, well, you know, that doesn't sound so great now that I'm talking about how it's gonna be a multinational civilization downstairs and upstairs, none of that. Uh, so call it a rat people and also <laughs> multicultural not not my greatest uh moment of forethought
0: yeah you sort of you sort of put your foot in your mouth preemptively for this one (laughs) but yeah the proletariat downstairs are like hey you know we should have a multicultural multinational multiracial society and the people upstairs are like nah fuck you We're the bourgeoisie. Bush, we make all the money. We do all the stuff. It's all it's all white folk up here because they're the best. And then it's like a cool... I would really love... I, I know the movie's about two hours long, so we have the time. Let's use the time. Let's have an uprising of the proletariat in the underworld against the bourgeoisie in the utopian above world. I think that's a lot to ask of this movie, but I'd like it.
1: For sure. This is just gonna be a giant... Because, uh, you know, I think in the 20s, there was a lot of propaganda for socialism, actually, like in America, where they were like, hey, the fat cats are are really stepping on on the little man join a union socialism and um i know that's basically fallen by the wayside with like slight resurgences nowadays but i do think that this was about that time
0: it was around uh 1850s when marxism was was being written it was like the 1845 1858 this could be just like a commentary on hey marxism is now actually very popular and people are interested in it so we're gonna make a movie where we argue for marxism all right this movie Movie could be a lot better than it has any right to be for a 1927 film god i'm ready there are so many things about this movie i want to like talk about but we're gonna have to wait until the after portion
1: they yeah, obviously they're, they're gonna call the upper side of so, all right, right a couple more a couple more um shit why am i so bad with words today? uh guesses um predictions predictions ah what a good word um, They're obviously going to call the, the bright golden city Metropolis, right? So what are they going to call the little Undercroft?
0: I, I really do hope for the Underworld. I, I don't know why. It just sounds badass, you know?
1: Right. Could they call it a Necropolis? Because that that is like the counterpoint to Metropolis, right?
0: Oh, that would be really cool. It does sound similar and it's kind of like, you know, hey, we're having them sort of rhyme with each other, poetic kind of. I do like it. Could be cool. Could be really cool. Do you think if they call it Necropolis, they'll actually show that as a thing? Oh, I would love this. Okay, okay, are you ready for this? Are you ready for this? <laughs> Go ahead, yeah. The reason they call it the Necropolis is because all the people living in the Underworld all have this horrifying disease that makes them look like dead people. Ooh, alright. They're decimated, right? And anytime somebody, like, gets the disease in the Above World, they send them to the Underworld. That's how the Underworld has become populated. It's just somebody in the Above World contracted this disease and they sent them away. But it's discovered over the course of the film that the Above World people are actually using the disease as a punishment for their worst citizens to sort of cull out the less than desirables. They give them the disease somehow. And then they're like, well, you have the disease. We have to send you to the quarantine zone of the underworld or the necropolis or whatever it's called. And that's the big thing that our main character discovers and is like horrified by.
1: I love it. Shit, that's really good. Oh man,
0: this movie's gonna be great. (laughs) And if it's not, we'll do it better. As we always do. We'll just make super metropolis. Omega metropolis. Met- metropomega Mega mopolis Perfect. And, and that's what we'll call it. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. the name we'll use. We are uh, coming up on that time. You know, we have we have some wiggle room here, but, you know, uh, we're coming up on that time. Do you have any further predictions you want to make really quick? Maybe maybe something about the music or cultural representations in the film. Is there going to be a lot of times when we do utopian societies or even post-apocalyptic societies, we sort of combine two cultures into one. You think we'll get any of that? Mm.
1: I'm not sure I know what you mean, but I definitely don't think a blending of societies is going to be what happens in Metropolis in the 1920s. What What if... Uh... I mean, I think you already said this, where it's, you know, the the metropolis is just the ideals that everybody's aspiring to in the 1920s, and the actual progressives are in the Undercity.
0: I'm interested to hear the music. 1920s music is very... Very big bandy. Yeah, so I wonder if it's going to be, and especially since we have a, a German director, I wonder if that will, like, influence it, and it'll just be, like, really weird, bizarre-sounding music. I, I want to say that sound in film was invented in the 1930s, so this could be a talk top- as well.
1: Shit, okay. Well, that's a, especially interesting. Mentioned that this was black and white, and it was used to pretty good effect. I'm super interested in that, because I was just recently reading something about the old Adams Family show, and how, uh, like, if you got a colored photo of the set, it was this wild, like, bright pinks and greens and baby blues and stuff like that, because in order to get proper contrast in a black and white film, you can't just have everything be normal colored, you know? You, got, you gotta really make things extravagant. And so I'm wondering how far they went with that here like if they because you know that they only know black and white films at this time so I don't know if they're using it for artistic effect or if they're just like no this is this is what film looks like
0: yeah if you ever get to look at a color wheel in grayscale it's interesting to like look at them side by side because the colors that are like really dark in uh, grayscale are not like the colors you might expect yeah so uh, yeah you're, you're you're absolutely right a, a set that is trying to get across uh, in black and white is going to abuse color to try to you know okay well this is you're gonna have to wear a hot pink dress because that comes off lighter than a blue dress you know a blue dress is gonna come off as almost black Right. and I I don't know the exact formula for this but yes you are correct that is a thing uh, that you have to consider when making a black and white movie a lot of your people are going to be dressed in costumes or your set design is gonna be like very vibrantly colored just because that's how that's how grayscale works it's weird
1: yeah but you know I'm just wondering if if they're playing to that at this point in time because I don't know enough about older movies to Say one way or another, but uh, at some point, somebody's got to break the mold and be like, you know, that no, we're <laughs> all we have is black and white movies, but what if, you know? Uh,
0: I know we've talked about these movies in the past, and uh, one thing that I'm looking forward to with this film specifically uh, is set design. Uh, in the 1920s, they definitely treated films as if they were stage plays, and so they took care to make very interesting sets and very elaborate sets. I know you love hearing his name, good old Kurosawa. He is sort of famous, not only for making Seven Samurai, but also for specifically, he found out that his stagehands had made a set with metal nails, but in the time period that they were making the film to reflect, they they hadn't invented metal nails yet. So he had them take down the set that they had built and make it using only wood Mm. to maintain that authenticity. I'm not saying we'll be able to notice something like that, but that's just to illustrate the idea of, they really cared about, like, creating really cool set specs in the day man so i'm hoping to see some of that but hey we will go ahead and we're gonna break now go our separate ways to watch the movie not right now uh in a few seconds watch the movie we implore our audience to do the same thing go out watch the movie educate yourself on the exact happenings of the movie pay attention to the movie don't look at anything else if you look at something else i'll know i will know and we'll kill you verbally uh yeah. yeah 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 emotionally we will we'll be so disappointed in you it just might kill you we'll come back and we'll talk about the movie after that so see for uh, it, it, it go see it for yourself perhaps even you can see it with yourself for yourself against yourself there are many options here. <laughs> just include yourself into this somehow. Yeah, throw throw a big old wagon of self and a big old wagon of the movie and, and that's all we're asking for. There you
1: go, there it is. Just a big old wagon car crash, a 1920s era horse crash of self and movie.
0: Also, just really quick, this movie's super available for free. It's in the public domain now. Everybody has access to it, so. So quick, everybody go make your own version, quick.
1: It's a ra- it's the rat race, but in making Metropolis. M-
0: not to be confused with the rat people race we're not we're not here to insult rat people we are cool with the rat people just you know in in the future
1: when you're going back in time and you're like you know Pir- pirate steve and all of his descendants can all eat shit for what he said about the rat people and it would, uh, we didn't mean it i didn't mean it i'm
0: sorry i'm going to have to correct you there it's people of rat descent <laughs> it's not dirty rat people it's <laughs> it's rat-ish humans <laughs> rat-like folk
1: <laughs> who just happen to also be dirty I'm not racist
0: <laughs> well we need to stop ourselves while we're ahead fuck <laughs> and, and, and see for yourself see for yourself yes We return from the night. The hellish nightmare of not watching movies we have dispelled by watching a movie!
1: That was a a movie. Most certainly. I expected more dialogue. Like, there were were a lot of scenes where... And I'm not saying all of them, because there's a lot of scenes where context clues carry the weight of it pretty damn well. Mm -hmm. But there were definitely a couple of scenes where it's like, they have a whole conversation and then nothing. And then they cut over to, like, a side conversation that are like, did you get that, Jim? No, I didn't, because you didn't pull up a fucking cue card. This, by the way, compounded with the fact that there were several scenes that they just didn't shoot. The one that gets my goat the most is, uh, we finally, uh, blah, blah, blah. with uh, The woman's in the robot body or vice versa. And then we cut to cue cards being like, but little did he know that John Frederick, fucking whatever, has been snooping on him. And they, d- the whole scene written out. And we don't
0: get to see it. You did notice that the typology or the, I guess the, I don't know what the, what's the, the word? The, the font or whatever. Like, yes. yeah,
1: it, it was a different card. I get that.
0: Yes. And that should indicate to you that this was probably done after the movie was made. Is that what I was supposed- To get about that, yeah, which should indicate that this was just a scene that was too damaged to recover.
1: Oh, all right. Okay, I get it.
0: Because you'll notice as you're watching it that there are some scenes that are like really crisp and look really good, and there's other ones that have those like lines in them, like a really old film, they were just too damaged to be recovered perfectly, whereas the other scenes are like they look so good because they've been able to remaster them because the image was pretty much perfect.
1: I was uh I did not take that into account because I wasn't I didn't go into the expecting a damaged movie. I I know I probably should have because you have previously talked about how pre-whenever the fucking Armageddon cutoff date is for this shit, but like just a lot of movies don't exist anymore.
0: 1920s and before, and and film was invented in 1890, roughly.
1: So we've we've got 30 years of shit that just like doesn't... it. So I I know you've said that enough that I should have like had that in my head. I thought it was an artistic choice.
0: I mean, I think you're just wrong on this one, but... (laughs) No, (laughs) no,
1: I, I am wrong. Like that was definitely... Definitely not an artistic choice now that you've explained it to me as such, but like, in the moment, that's what I was thinking.
0: I, I don't mean to, I, I try very hard not to be like, you're just wrong, because I'm more interested in hearing you express yourself and tell me how you're feeling, but uh, in this case, I think, yes, it is. No, wait, been... right
1: now, we, we are talking about the facts of the movie, and I explained something that didn't make sense to me, and you're like, oh, it's because that wasn't it at all.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, they, they probably definitely filmed uh, that exact scene, and when recovering the film, it just didn't didn't survive well. And so they just decided instead to cut it completely and include that uh, little cue card to let you know what was supposed to be happening for, I mean, God knows how many minutes we're missing there. It could be 10 minutes. It could be, you know, just a few seconds. Who knows?
1: Is this a, a similar thing with me missing some cue cards for conversations? Okay. So
0: yes, that is a good point. Uh, no, you are, uh, absolutely in, in the right for, Hey, there's a lot of times where people are talking and they're moving their lips and you can tell they're saying something, but I don't get a cue card that tells me this is what that person just said.
1: That was an artistic choice because like I said there are there were some more than there weren't there were plenty of them where I'm like okay from context clues I can tell that Mr. Businessman who runs the world is talking with the foreman of the machine thing like I got that but there were definitely times where I was expecting a cue card and didn't get it.
0: Joe Frederson he's a pretty much a one-note kind of character towards the end he gets like a I guess he gets something of a revival where he gets to be like concerned for his son instead of like I'm just a mustache swirling villain. Other than that, it's yeah, pretty consistent. Like, hey, everyone shut up and do what I'm telling you to do. Do evil stuff. I'm, I'm evil. I, I hate the working class and I love making money and forcing people to work really, really hard. So I, I think that the movie does a pretty good job of making it clear that that's the kind of stuff he's going to be saying the whole movie. And so you can kind of get that like, oh, he looks like he's yelling. He's probably just telling the person to do what he wants them to do or to do nefarious shit or to do something that makes the working class suffer. Right. We, we nailed it with Marxism was going to be the the plot of the film.
1: Oh, a hundred percent. The the rise of the proletariat, a hundred percent.
0: It's it's frustrating because it almost seems like the movie is arguing that the appropriate way for the proletariat to rise is non-confrontationally, using spirituality and uh, peaceful protest as a means of. Uh, they don't really talk about peaceful protest a lot, but it does seem like the difference between real Maria asking for peace. Yeah, wait for the mediator. They will join the hands and the heart And the hands and the mind using the heart, and and then you have machine man Maria who's asking for blood uh, pretty much constantly. Uh, and it seems like the theme of the movie is like we should try to mend uh, our differences using compassion and love and and our hearts. That, I, I think that is in line with Marxism that's true, uh, I think Marx was pretty big on like, hey we should try to be peaceful where we can and create connections and understanding between the proletariat and the uh, bourgeoisie
1: I, I know it's also been spun to a pretty like uh, a place of force um, unless I'm thinking of a different ideology where you know, seizing the means of production and stuff like that like the, the means to wealth are in the hands of the proletariat
0: uh, I, I just uh, I wonder if, how, how appropriate and how inappropriate it is to say that like it is purely villainous to try to take action via violence i don't know how i feel about that exactly right And the movie's pretty pretty clear on like no violence is bad it almost killed the entire population's children <laughs> like that's pretty clear uh messaging there it's, it's clear what the theme is trying to say about that were there any shots that you found particularly beautiful
1: actually i'm going to answer this by also saying uh that um i wanted to talk about our views for the future that we were talking about in here uh because the whole the whole opening i thought that was really cool like diffusion effect where you would get three of the same image or like some of the the shadowed overlapping i thought that was really cool and also couldn't help but giggle that like you know in the 1920s the most you know plan for the future was just more gears and bigger gears and switchboard operators
0: shiny fast moving mechanical parts
1: yeah and i know i said flying cars but we get like we get a bunch of cool views of the city's architecture drawn out for us and in one of them apparently their view for the future is suspensionless bridges and biplanes biplanes are just going to be the most common thing in the world like in the year 1950
0: so it's weird how close this movie doesn't give us a year for the time where all these events are taking place but it's interesting that the movie does like kind of depict modern times really like closely where it's just like, there's a lot of traffic because I imagine in 1927 when this movie was made, there's not a ton of traffic on the roads. So now it's like, well, what will it be like in the future? They're, everyone will own a car and they'll just be wall to wall traffic all the time. Yep. Here we are. We're in it. <laughs> and like the, you know, the train system or the monorail system or whatever, the flying, like the planes that are flying by and some of them are more futuristic than others. And like, yep, that's we're we're in it right now. It's, it's your, you are correct. Metropolis. You figured it out. I thought that was really cool. My, some of the most beautiful images for me were like the painted backgrounds that they would use. Yeah. were gorgeous. But to be perfectly honest with you, uh, there's almost no frame in this movie that isn't beautiful.
1: No, you are right about, uh, the set design going into this, like everything. God, it just feels so wizard of Oz esque. Like when, when they're doing the shift change and just like the ceiling is kind of like, it almost looks like it's not real, but it is real. They're walking in it.
0: Uh, I wonder how much of it is like, Hey, like we're just gonna like cleverly manipulate like foreground and background so that it looks like this is all one image, but actually they're two completely separate sets.
1: Yeah, I was actually I was gonna bring that up for for a different reason actually because um I know I've seen some like how it was made of um oh god who's who's the guy that did like slapstick comedy and he kind of looks like Hitler but he's not Hitler. <laughs> You know who I'm talking about. Charlie right?
0: Chapman, yeah. Charlie
1: Charlie Chaplin, yes. Okay, so they I've seen some how it's made of Charlie Chaplin's takes, where it's like he does something that looks death-defying, and what they've actually done is like put something really close to the camera that looks like a giant hole in the ground and shit like that. So I think that's very likely what they did with some of the set design, but I, I wanted to bring it up for a different reason, because uh, like I don't think there's a lot of digital editing around this time. Am I correct in assuming so?
0: Computers were invented in early 1940s, and CGI was invented in late 1950s, so absolutely Absolutely, you are correct.
1: So, whereas we will nowadays watch Lord of the Rings and the whole field being full of soldiers is like five dudes on horses in actuality. I think it was really cool that some of these shots with like a hundred plus people in it.
0: Yeah. uh, I know that we talked about this before the episode started and we were like, yeah, the the actor for season one was Vincent Price. Uh, The actor for season two might be the mobs that were needed (laughs) for Metropolis. (laughs) Yeah shit And they really did do a good job Like they were all over the place They weren't just like Okay we walk single file They were like Climbing up and down Like the sides of the stairwell Like they were They have that like Weird ladder staircase That's going up To the little uh, Like windowsill That's like caged in And they're like Kids that are like Climbing up the side Of the stairwell And stuff And like that's interesting That's more than just like Yep walk single file It was chaotic There was a lot going on And they do a really good job Of expressing emotion In those scenes Where like uh, Maria is giving her like congregation speeches and everything and they're all sort of like reacting to her like visually with their facial expressions and their bodies and whatnot and it it gives off like you get how they feel how the crowd feels about her and how the crowd feels about what she's saying Mm -hmm. I agree I was I was really big into that did you expect so much uh, like religious iconography and messaging and storytelling I don't know
1: why I didn't suggest it because it makes a lot of sense in the era but yeah it's just it was back to back and like I wanted to come in into this being like, I didn't realize this was going to be like a one for one Jesus allegory, but it's like not even that. It's just like the entire Bible cordoned off into certain sections and characters.
0: Yeah, it's very clear that they took a lot, like some heavy inspiration from the Bible. I was hoping for more sci-fi uh, social problems rhetoric than, hey the Bible talks about these types of things because it sort of starts off with that cool like sci-fi social problems stuff and then very quickly jumps into oh yeah uh, the bible the bible talked about yeah, this.
1: we we should wait for a savior and also here's this actual story from the bible and but, but yeah
0: they talk about how Joe frederickson is the controller of the city he's the creator of the city and then his son Fredder Fred frederson yeah Fredder frederson yeah um obviously sort of named in his made in his image or named in his image the they, they don't
1: often call him that either like a, a lot of the time they're just referring to him as the son of Fredderson
0: yeah so so it's it's interesting then that they also talk about how like god created the world and he created man and so like joe frederson made metropolis and he made fred frederson
1: and he made uh, he made the the garden of eden of eden that like uh that was clearly supposed to be for him to play around in just while he continues to do god things
0: and he gets tempted out of the garden of eden by a woman who's named maria which is like mary jesus's mother and the guy who like helps him on his quest is josephette and joseph was Mary's husband. Yeah. This is all like a little too close here.
1: I was watching all of that and being like, oh, that, you know, super religious, super. And then we get to like, hey, bring up the foreman from the heart machine and his name is like Goop
0: or something like that. It's, uh, I want to say it's like Groth or something. Uh, I did, I did write it down though. It's uh, mm-hmm. uh but... Groth. Grot,
1: yeah. I wasn't that far off.
0: And they gave Grot a stutter in some of his lines that get like brought up on the cue card. That's interesting yeah. to me. Also the like the Frankenstein character or like the the major villain of the story is named Rotwang. <laughs> I know. What a shame. What a name, man. That's a name. That's a name for the books. (laughs) In the scenes at the end of the movie, specifically when they're trying to, like, burn the witch is, like, a big thing. And I'm like, yep, this is very biblical. This is very Christian of them to do that. Very Christian and heavy air quotations. But they, they, they're they doing that. I have never felt so much distress because there's a clear visual indicator in my mind at this point. I'm like, all right, the visual indicator that tells us whether it's Machine Man Maria or if it's real Maria is the heavy eyeliner and mascara. Uh, did you did you pick up on that? I did, but I was, there was a couple of times where it's like,
1: I almost didn't notice the mascara, like the eye makeup, because she was making weird faces anyways, you know what I mean? Like which I appreciated. Some of the characters were like over the top with their performing, which I think you like had to do especially since you don't have inflection to give off much. But yeah she was just always making like fuck me eyes at the camera, but with like one eye askew or something like that and I'm like, oh that's Machine Man, Maria.
0: We should probably talk about the facial expressions in this movie Really quick, because I meant to talk about this during the preamble, but I decided it was probably better to wait. Uh, are you familiar with the term German Expressionism? Does that does that ring You've a bell? Mentioned for
1: you mentioned it once in reference to Nicolas Cage, I believe. Yes,
0: good old Nicolas Cage is a huge advocate for German Expressionism in his acting, and basically all German Expressionism means is that you're trying to convey outwardly the feelings that you have inside. So you know, if someone says something that's shocking to you, you might drop your jaw and then widen your eyes really big and sort of like sit there for a few seconds with your you know your jaw wide open and your your eyes big and bugged out like that that's German expressionism it's not a realistic representation of how you feel because realistically someone says something shocking and you just kind of give the old
1: oh they're, they're trying to exaggerate that for the sake of the camera
0: yes for the sake of you know a theatrical performance for the sake of like really getting across this feeling and they don't just do it with their faces they do it with their bodies and you know later on on they would do it with their voices and even before uh, film and even sometimes during film they would do it with their set design too sort of trying less to represent an accurate representation of a factory and instead a representation of what feeling the factory is supposed to evoke in you you know claustrophobia make it really tight or uniformity make it the exact same on both sides and, and things like that and this movie is a good example of German expressionism it's not the best example it sort of uses a couple of different designs elements but it is a really good example of it. and so when you get those scenes of like Machine Man Maria giving like a, a weird kind of face I think it is supposed to represent how inhuman she is
1: no I definitely got that I knew it was there for a reason I just it stood out to me so much more than the makeup choice
0: there's a lot of different characters uh, who don't have that kind of makeup regular Maria does not have the mascara and the eyeliner the proletariat just the working people don't have uh, that kind of makeup but a lot of the bourgeoisie do the rich people You you probably noticed, Freder sort of has that type of makeup on
1: oh sure i i noticed it in one of uh the very early scenes just in the difference between normal maria's lipstick and the lipstick of the rest of the eden girls you know her lipstick is done very uh i don't want to say plainly but like the way you typically expect lipstick to be whereas the the garden of eden posse they have that bee sting look i think it's called the bee sting look where it's like the super exaggerated lip mounts
0: and they and they also like take very special care to like put on their makeup in a certain way they even have that that, like guy who helps them out with it also in the in the garden of eden scene they have that uh those two peacocks that are like running around while the characters are like chasing each other sort of like playfully i thought that was cool that they actually had real peacocks and it's like a lady peacock and a male peacock a lot of times for whatever reason movies will put two male peacocks together because they think audiences are stupid enough to think like yeah why is there a white bird and a cool looking peacock what's that white bird doing there and it's like that's a that's a lady peacock. <laughs> to Yeah, so uh I thought it was cool that they actually had the two different kinds of, you know, peacocks there. You know, they had the, the male and the female. That's nice. You also you also notice that uh the only character who's sort of dressed in, like, a lot of white other than uh Maria is Fredder.
1: They even pointed out, it's like, kill the dog with his silk whatever's.
0: Silk and white fur is what they called it. But yeah, yeah. uh So he, he wears, like, nicer clothes and they're, like, pure white, whereas their clothes are all, like, gray or black and most of them are just wearing that, like, like very dark jumpsuit, which really looks really cool and gets across the message that these are working class people just in costume design alone. I, I liked how he like rolled up on this random dude, Georgie 11811. It's just like I want your job. Yeah, I want your job and in my mind I'm like, okay, so he's just gonna know how to do George's job like that and it turns out the job is pretty intuitive actually. It's got like the light indicators and you just point the things at the light that makes sense. Yeah,
1: he's, he's the <laughs> it's like if modern day like switchboard operators were a thing He's the guy behind the switchboard.
0: Yeah, something like that. I also liked how um, at the end of the movie, when uh, Maria is sort of trying to move those two dials all the way to the right, it kind of calls back to Fredder's job of like moving those two dials. I thought that was kind of cool. There's so many cool scenes in this movie. There's like one scene where like a black person appears in like one of those like fade in, fade out shots. You know what I'm talking about? I must have missed that one. It stood out so much to me because they're like in the top left corner of the screen and I'm sitting there they're like thinking to myself like is this an actual black actor or is this like a white actor in blackface to like have some degree of representation i can't tell and with like black and white movies and the and the visuals being not exactly perfect it's kind of hard to figure it out i'm optimistic enough to say that it was probably an actual black actor and that was kind of cool i don't know i could be wrong it's the kind of like blink and you'll miss it scene that probably doesn't have like a like a casting mark to like indicate yep (laughs) I, i
1: guess i didn't get a credits uh reel to be a token black guy in mob.
0: Yeah, and that's another thing is like I doubt that they gave a credit to like all of the people in the mob either. It was probably like, hey show up for this and you'll get to be in a movie but you won't get any lines and you won't get credited for it. But we'll give you three dollars and tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah, I'm sure plenty of people would just roger up just for the uh just for the chance, you know, you know movies are so new that it's like exciting and fun to even get a chance to be in one at all then and, and I also imagine it's not like people weren't as uh, they weren't as expecting of getting some out of it as they are now you know not to say that they shouldn't have gotten something out of it because I think they should have maybe three dollars was a lot back then who who knows maybe they got paid a lot more than three dollars I don't know
1: I mean three dollars in 1920s money is definitely more than enough for an extra
0: that's a mortgage payment right there Fucking <laughs> right it is that's what they spent at the bar all week I do wonder how many of the effects that we see in the movie are like for example the biplanes that were flying in the sky that's like it's a miniature with a like fishing wire like holding it up and then a person like carrying it out of frame in a smooth fashion, right? But like the the lighting effects, some of those were like really, really good. And I wonder if it's like, hey, we you know got these copies with like really good imaging in them and we were able to add special effects later. Or if this is actually what the movie looked like when it came out, in which case, holy fucking shit. Like the halos that were going around Machine Man uh, before she became Machine Man Maria. I don't know how they would have to happen. How did that, how'd they do that?
1: You know, that's a really good question. I mean, they must've actually drawn on the film, right? Cause like I, I got the same idea. I forget exactly what was going on, but there was a bunch of like bang, pow, drawn in effects over uh, young Frederson at some point. And I was like, they've just drawn on this. Cause it, I, I can't think of any other that, you know, we've already talked about how they don't have computer editing in this. So was there a guy drawing over each individual frame? Probably.
0: I have no clue. Is it, is it possible to run two frames at the same time? And maybe they just had one frame with the drawings on them and then one frame without. I, I don't know.
1: Oh yeah. That makes more sense.
0: I'm, I'm not I I'm purely speculating here I have nothing to go off of you know with this I'm just saying it makes sense when I say it out loud but it, it, somebody could say like no there's no way that like the film reels at the time could be run two at a time like that that's impossible I, I don't know I have no clue uh, uh there's a couple of scenes where like lightning is like striking uh the heart machine or whatever and I'm like how does that lightning look so much like lightning
1: I know I was uh I was actually gonna mention that you know uh, you said that the uh the angry mob is gonna be the Character for for this uh, season, but a callback from the previous previous season. The guy that draws lightning, pff, dude, he still got it. His
0: his dad was working on this fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> He was like, he was speaking to his son. Yes, son. Our entire job is just drawing lightning. (laughs) Just draw lightning.
1: It's one family that does it. It's like, uh, it's like the special mud that goes on, um, American League baseballs. Just one family does it. Nobody else knows how to draw lightning. Just these dudes.
0: You ever see like artists on the internet that are like complaining about how they draw feet or how they draw hands and they just can't do it very well? Yeah. It's the same thing with lightning. They're just, but like way worse. So nobody talks about it. (laughs) It just looks like swirly squiggle lines. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't it looks look like it's like raining
1: spaghetti. What am I doing wrong?
0: <laughs> and then, and then we get you know the the Fitzgeraldsons who are like, ah, oh, yes, lightning—the only thing I know how to do, <laughs> just like Papa taught me oh <laughs> uh, yes yeah that lightning was good man and it was really good for 1927 were there any parts of the movie that you thought might have inspired future films?
1: I'm not sure how to
0: answer that one. Did you ever watch uh, Blade Runner?
1: I haven't. I, I, I know it's also a really good movie but we haven't watched it for this
0: podcast so no I haven't Jesus fucking Christ that is, that is the most abysmal thing I've ever heard I do try really hard to make these movies like easily digestible for you and this has been the biggest like leap in that regard for me onto you um, because I know that you like those ninety-minute movies. I like them too. I think it's very—it takes a very subtle hand to be able to take a movie that like you want to be six hours long and turn it into a ninety-minute film. But there are some movies that it is a delight that they're as long as they are. And Blade Runner is one of them. Blade Runner is like infinity hours long. I think it's like a three-hour-long movie with all the like extra content that's been put out. But every second of it is super enjoyable. And I, I feel similarly about Metropolis, where like I, I watched. I think I watched like an extended version of it or something because it was about a two and a half hour long movie. Uh, and maybe that's just Tubi adding commercials, but uh, it didn't really feel like it. It felt like Tubi added maybe like eight minutes of commercials at most.
1: Yeah, it really wasn't heavily done. I was going to ask uh, in the beginning when we were having cue cards and I'm like, it's two hours. How much of this is just cue cards? Dramatically less than I was expecting, really. Like they really do sort of uh, try to corral you into understanding what the movie's about without having to like draw the dialogue out for you.
0: Yeah, it does feel like they give the dialogue when necessary and not much more. But uh, yeah, some some movies are a delight to watch every moment of them. And every extra minute you get is just, you know, give me more. I love it. It's so like aesthetically pleasing. It's such a well-created world, fully realized and very like distinct and emotional. And I like immediately think of Blade Runner when I'm, when I'm watching Metropolis. I don't know why. It's just that distinct world building. And like every time you look at it, you're like, wow, this is so good. Every single shot is a masterpiece. I love seeing everything that's happening in both of these movies. I don't know how much Blade Runner, like, references or draws from Metropolis, but it feels like they're, like, sister movies, almost. Like, they they connected in in their soul, you know, in a way. I know you talked about the satanic iconography.
1: It, it was just right, right in your face. I was willing to take, like, the very the, I wouldn't even call them subtle religious imagery that they were using. It was there, and I was like, okay, cool, well, this is the allegory they're trying to feed me. And then we he's like welcome I'm gonna show you uh I've brought back your wife that was also like my wife or I don't know that weird thing going on there and he goes back to the robot in the chair with the giant fucking pentagram like pentacle pentagram one of them means one and one means the other
0: it is a pentagram but it's an inverted pentagram
1: so that would be a pentacle uh,
0: I'm not sure I, I don't have any knowledge on that specifically but I do know it's just an upside down pentagram
1: yeah which is almost like exclusively used for like I don't know, I think um, Black Sabbath has a lot of that in their album covers, because it's supposed to be, like, pseudo-satanic.
0: So it is uh, used in many religions, but basically, its uh, meaning is, the regular pentagram is the masculine, and the inverted pentagram is the feminine. Uh, The regular pentagram is uh, spirit over the material, and the inverted pentagram is the material over the spiritual. There's a lot of other, like, meaning that you can derive from it, but these are sort of the basic meanings that are pretty universal.
1: I mean, fair enough. I definitely, I don't know how universal, because because my understanding was uh, generic satanic nonsense. But given this is the 1920s and they're probably a lot closer to religion than I'll ever be. I'll, I'll take that.
0: I cannot say if it was meant to be satanic in its representation there. There's not really a whole lot else to go off of. And certainly the pentagram is used in Christian iconography a lot. So the inverted pentagram, it seems like it would also be used, perhaps less so, but I can't think of any reason why it wouldn't be used. And it makes sense that the machineman is a woman. It's a feminine machineman. And it is also a like representation of, hey, we were able to use the material to sort of control the spiritual. So it makes perfect sense to use the inverted pentagram there for that uh, imaging. And then later on, when Freder is running around in Frankenstein, what's his name? Rotworm or whatever. Oh yeah. Uh, Rotwang. Rotwang. Yes. Rotwang's house. It's all regular pentagrams, which is interesting to me. Uh, you would think that the guy who like introduced the inverted pentagram would have inverted pentagrams in his house, but for the most part, it's regular pentagrams. Uh, I might be misremembering that, but I do I do remember thinking that was kind of odd. And they obviously use like the uh, the crucifix symbol, the cross that is used in most Christian iconography.
1: Yeah, that was pretty heavily used here. Yeah, for it's it's
0: usually used in association with Maria and with the proletariat being peaceful. Usually, when the proletariat isn't being peaceful. And And uh, Machine Man Maria is arguing that they should go and kill people. They sort of crop out the crosses. Like they're still back there, but they're like out of the field of view, which, you know, I do love a good visual storytelling. Man, Maria really does do a good job of acting in this movie.
1: I feel like there wasn't anybody that, like, I mean, I guess you could say that. God, I've forgotten his name already. Jefferson the Elder.
0: Oh, Fred, Fredder.
1: Fredder, Fredderson. Yeah, all
0: right, that makes a lot more sense.
1: Yeah, uh, Fredderson the Elder did feel flat but like his character isn't really meant to make market growth so it's not the worst
0: he's supposed to have a big acting scene sort of towards the end where he's watching Fredder fight off Rotwang uh up on the the top of the cathedral which to me and it's kind of funny because i used like quasimodo in in my name for this uh episode it's kind of interesting it, it calls back to a <laughs> hunchback of notre dame it feels like to me there's a fire going on down below they're fighting on the top of the cathedral yo is this just quasimodo fighting people up on the top of the, what's going on <laughs> (laughs) Notre Dame's on fire in Germany I suppose. Yeah man I I felt a lot of feelings in that like penultimate fight I genuinely thought maybe I was misreading the uh the mascara and eyeliner thing and that they actually had burned the real Maria and I was just misreading the way that she looked but fortunately it was robot Maria that died instead of real Maria and that's that's good because I was bent up in knots on the inside about it I was like oh god please no they got her that's a terrible way for someone to go man I don't want I didn't want It man, I didn't want it at all. These are the kinds of scenes that, like, you know, you would show this to some people and they would be like, Nope, that was too much. I stopped watching right when they were about to burn that lady alive. For me, it just makes it very dramatic and very emotional for me. And I want to watch it, I want to see what happens. You know, was there a character, uh, that you felt uh, most connected with?
1: I I don't think I was invested in anybody particular.
0: For me, it was for sure Maria, like human Maria. I feel uh, I just feel so connected with. I feel like, you know, she's a leader, she's doing her best, and she kind of gets screwed over by forces beyond her control you know like she had she had the most interesting character she had the most interesting story love love maria to death. this is still in the time where like a lot of this movie is like men at the at the mercy of women and that makes sense given the like Religious iconography we've described previously. It's frustrating that like I, I guess I wish that Machine Man Maria had more autonomy, and I guess she's not really supposed to, given that she's a machine. I don't know.
1: Yeah, I, instead of her just being told so, havoc and then havoc is sown. Like it would have been nice to have her come into her own in whatever that would have meant for the movie.
0: Yeah, like and and it would have made for me. It would have made Joe Frederson more of an interesting character because he's not like telling her go and so chaos. She's just seeing the situation. Maybe he's like you know, wow, this is my. My new child, I'm teaching her the world, you know, and she's learning the world, but at the same time, drawing her own conclusions and realizing I need to protect my father and I'm going to go out and do these things and he's not telling her to do that he's just telling her yes these are the working class and they have their own machinations and they do things in their off time but during their on time they work for me and I pay them and everything it makes a more well rounded villain for Joe Frederson to be for him to be sort of a half villain he doesn't mean for her to go and do these things but she does and like it's kind of his fault you know maybe he blames himself he has a more rounded character and it also gives uh, Machine Man Maria a more rounded character instead of just like she's like this McG- in basically like she's just doing stuff to further the plot and not doing stuff that she wants to do she's her own character you know right i always want people to be their own characters and do be doing the things that they want to do for their own like logical reasons than for just yep i was told to do this so i'm doing it
1: you know i think it would have been more interesting too for this to be like um because there's already been others i don't know about stories in the 1920s but the, uh there's been people who play with the uh lazarus myth from the bible and about like uh uh, you know, if you resurrect somebody, is it, is it still them or just like your perception of them in a shell? But they could have played with that with uh machine man Maria.
0: Yeah. That, that could have been really interesting to say like, yeah, now that we've made a copy of, of Maria, a uh, machine man, Maria will be a perfect replacement for her and to have her like make mistakes. She's not as good of a leader. She's not as good of a speaker. You know, like these are things that you can't copy perfectly. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know if it's like a argument against large groups of people or argument for how good uh, machines are going to work in the future the groups of people were not willing to say like hey this is a really weird change of heart for Maria our religious figurehead who has been arguing us to like you know stand by and wait for the heart to come along to sort of create a merger of the two different factions here it's it's weird how logical it is when when Frederick explains it to the crowd and how they're just like nah fuck you she told us to kill people we're killing them but like he makes a really good point you guys like how'd you not catch that <laughs> I guess it's, uh, maybe the movie is making a slight commentary on, like, mob mentality is fucking terrifying.
1: I mean, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, it, it is. That's probably why they didn't want to make a push for, they were pushing basically away from violence ever being the answer. G- gotta say, this this movie translates pretty well into our modern era, because, um, uh, I gotta say if, uh, what do I mean if? Currently there are definitely people having big old bacchanalian parties and orgies at the expense of, uh, us mole men. And I I think riots are definitely the answer for that.
0: It's also interesting to me that you like compared the people in the underground to like rat people and they're like being drowned like rats in the actual movie. <laughs> yeah <laughs> did, you, did you think about that though they're being drowned like some sort of animal that drowns in water
1: i I was gonna say uh one of my first thoughts after seeing the the subterranean people I was like oh thank god none of them like uh, thank god they're all like good old generic white folk as well because I would have felt especially bad if it's like oh no all the undesirables much like rats are shoved underground I'm like oh please don't let this come true I didn't mean it
0: just don't say the word rat in this movie even once don't <laughs> is that? Is that you? Just like, please, 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 please,
1: please. <laughs> I was like, they didn't, they didn't have any rats running around on things. Just, oh, thank God. <laughs>
0: Oh man, that's another shot that's like really just perfect. The scene where they're like opening up the gates for the people to leave work and the people to enter work, and they're just sort of like penguin style, like uh, hobbling into work, or like they're they're like what is it? It's not swaddling. It's uh.
1: Well, I think waddling
0: is correct. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're waddling into work.
1: Yeah, like the people going into work are like you know they're spaced out fairly decently. You know their their pace is much faster, whereas the people leaving work are dead inside, and like they make it very clear.
0: Yeah, the people who are like going into work are, are, are waddling too but the people coming out of work are like almost robotically waddling their bodies are hurt more and the like people waddling in are like more jaunty about it i guess
1: i i love how by the way in an over exaggeration of workers being brutalized the sun's over here like can 10 hours never end and it's like just 10 oh good lord buddy It it's so much worse here in the future
0: yeah if only you knew how many people are working like 16 hours and like six of it is not paid <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I loved that line. I thought that was good. Father, when will 10 hours end? And I'm like, yeah, fuck me, man. I I know that feeling. <laughs> <laughs> well, cause
1: it's like, um, uh, like the job looks simple and tedious. It's, it's fun. He's playing Bop It, but like, imagine playing Bop It for 10 hours.
0: Imagine playing Bop It for 10 hours with your whole body. Yeah. Like he's, his legs are pretty much planted, but he still does have to like move his like sides and like, you know, he's working his like abs and his arms and shoulders and everything. Like it sucks. Yeah. That, that line is pretty great. And that, that shot is pretty great. Uh, did you, do you ever think that the guns in the movie are not terribly futuristic? I did actually i
1: was uh the very first time we see a gun when the guy's gonna kill himself i was really hoping that he'd have some like satellite dish ray gun thing not just
0: itty bitty pistol i wonder if maybe they thought like oh if we go too futuristic people won't know it's a gun i mean yeah if, if
1: people are worried about the audience being stupid now then i guess back in the 1920s
0: yeah like i wonder if it was like you know if we use like a really small gun they'll still get that it's a gun but it'll be like interesting to some people who like maybe this wasn't a very popular type of gun back then you know and it's like oh yeah, we use this little tiny pistol because it's like not very widespread. It's kind of like more modern than what most people would be associating with. Like you know, I imagine in 1920s, it's like revolvers for like cowboy films and shit. So they're like yeah, that's what a gun is is a revolver, a big old magnum basically. And he's just using this little nine millimeter you know pistol basically. And like maybe that was like foreign to most viewers, and they were like oh that's not that's not right. So it was foreign enough to seem futuristic, I guess. I'm, I'm you know, throwing stuff at the wall and seeing what sticks at this point. I was a little disappointed there wasn't any music accompaniment because I know that in the 1920s, uh, it was very popular to have like a silent film, have musical accompaniment by like a live orchestra.
1: You know, I was actually thinking about that when you were like, oh, I, you know, do you think the music is going to be any good? And I don't know why it never occurred to me to say like, but like if this is a silent movie, would it also have
0: music? The, the answer to that question is no, it would not. But uh, again, a lot of times they would hire a live orchestra. Orchestra to play certain songs in the
1: th- in the theater. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah.
0: It's very likely that we just don't have any information on that, and so we don't have any means of replicating it, and so we just don't. But uh, it is it is frustrating for me that they they don't have it, and I would love to see you know an attempt be made at that. You know, I'm sure there's like probably a 1960s remake of this or something where they did add dialogue and music or something like that. But we did not watch that version. We watched the the super duper silent 1927 version but hey we are kind of coming up on that time is there anything you want to mention now as we're sort of closing the curtain on metropolis
1: i think i'd be interested to watch more of this era of film is there much there's there has to be at least one other movie right that has survived
0: the purge there's dozens of films yeah they exist they're out there because you remember like now we're looking at like a worldwide collection of films instead of just like whatever's uh, available in our immediate area so yeah if you were watching movies in the 1920s yeah you'd be like yeah there's another 1920s film now we have so much good we have we have stuff available to be able to collect these movies into one place so yeah we, we, we have a couple of other options to view here
1: gotta track down a tollable dave remaster
0: we're all trying to watch tollable dave tollable dave is really the one that got away for this podcast isn't it <laughs>
1: I mean, it's, I'm always going to be thinking about the Dave that could.
0: The Dave that could have been. One thing I do want to uh, mention is that the, the beautiful women in the movie are all like flapper girls. And specifically, Machine Man Maria gets like a, what I'm going to assume is a very sexual for the time dance number in the film. Yeah. That was, uh, she's like wearing pasties over her nipples and like dancing very erotically. And I'm like, was this like borderline pornography for like 1927?
1: I was thinking that right at the beginning where it's like, uh, he's, he's telling that, girl to like do a little spin now do a little spin in the other direction and you can like definitely see that the suggestion of titty underneath that like thin veneer
0: yeah like uh one of the girls has like her back exposed and i was like ooh that seems like a lot i i don't know but i'm genuinely impressed by this uh uh cuz it seems like the kind of thing this this movie came out before the haze code existed so there was not a lot and i don't even know if germany is affected by that or would even care to be honest with you i, I don't know how 1920s german film would show a woman in that sort of light I don't know exactly but it does seem like that was a more conservative time when it came to sexuality so it's it's interesting to me that uh, that's included in the film and, and remains to this day it seems like the kind of movie that like you know the wrong people get into power and then suddenly oh well there's like a lady doing sexy things in this movie burn the damn thing so I'm glad that it survived all of these years you know we're very lucky to be watching this movie almost a hundred years later god I think about that uh, as I'm watching it I'm like Jesus this movie is like better than most of the stuff that comes out every year and it's 100 years old almost that's nuts
1: <laughs> so we're going to make a new one, right? I'm going to be honest with you. Most of the time when we roll into this, it's like, oh, we could have done it better. There's not a lot of things I'd change here.
0: That's yeah. That's the one thing is like, if anything, I would say that we do like a, a two minute homage to this film, like where we do like a quick film where it's just us sort of doing a shout out to Metropolis. But yeah, there's not a whole lot to fix here. It's it's uh this is close to a perfect film. Uh There's a couple of things that are like it's it's a tragedy that we don't have these things, but we can't really blame the movie for that. It didn't make a lot of wrong choices here, you know. Right, but all that—all that being said, let's go ahead and 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 close the book on uh, Metropolis for now. I'm sure that we will be talking about it for time ad memoriam. I'm—I'm I'm glad that I got to see you myself, Metropolis, and <laughs> the best we could get on short notice. Oh, you didn't—you didn't have anything to close out.
1: Oh no, I'm, I'm thinking, but I—I I wasn't fast enough, unfortunately.
0: Oh, that's okay. You still got time.
1: Uh, uh. T- I can't remember your your whole name, Mister. Um, oh, it's uh, Quasi Yugi Qu- Multohodo. Quasi snuffle snuffle up, I guess. Yes. <laughs> oh well, we'll see. We'll see you all again in the 1920s, or we won't.
0: Good luck and God hell. <laughs>